you can always go back. Just like if you try out a new job and you decide that you miss your old career, it's not like your past experience has just gone away, right? So I think so many people are afraid to take risks because they're afraid they lose like everything going for the new thing. No, your experience, your history, your past is still there. It's going for it and knowing that you can always go back to where you were before or who knows where it could take you next by going for it and taking that risk. Welcome to the Travel Not to Escape podcast. I'm your host, Jelena on the go, solo female traveler and creative entrepreneur. Think of me as your skydive instructor, empowering you to take the leap into solo travel to push past your fears and transform your life. Join me every Tuesday as we explore the world of solo travel with purpose and discover how you can use it for your personal transformation, learn how to make meaningful connections around the world, and reignite your spirit of play. We aren't just talking about traveling to find ourselves anymore. We're all about doing the work to understand who we authentically are breaking through our limiting beliefs, and taking the leaps to manifest lives we are excited about. Through interviews, solo episodes, and meditations, each episode is packed with practical tips, strategies, and inspiring stories from guests who have transformed their lives through solo travel. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or just starting out on your journey, the Travel Not to Escape podcast is here to inspire and empower you to solo travel with purpose. Strap on your helmet. We're about to jump headfirst into the journey of a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's go. Do you want to know how to make friends while solo traveling? This question comes up so often and is a big one that holds so many women back from traveling. And I'm so excited to share that I'll be hosting a free workshop on January 24th, and I'm spilling all of my connection secrets. Hard learned from over 10 years of solo traveling, hosting travel meetups, play events, and chatting with other solo travelers on this podcast. Spaces are limited, so save your seat on travelnotsescape.com slash free class, and I'll also link it in the show notes. See you there. Welcome, navigators, to another episode of Travel Not to Escape. I am so very excited to introduce you to our guest today, Kristen Vieira, who is a remote career and lifestyle coach, and I'm excited to have her on here today. Uh, We're going to be chatting about her story of transformation and also diving into what slow, intentional travel looks like, especially in Latin America, where we had actually connected, I think a couple of years ago now in Buenos Aires. And so thank you so much for being on today. Welcome, Kristen. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk all about this and to reconnect on a podcast, which we did back in BA, yes. if you remember. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And it's a it's a full circle moment from from doing that podcast to now having my own and interviewing you on it. So I'm, I'm so of like this is where we're at now um, and we have so much to catch up on too and I, I want to know just all about your travels um, that have happened over the last two years but let's first start with a question that I ask all of my guests um, I love starting with play I, I don't think that we as adults have uh, play as our focus anymore. And I really want to start off our conversation just understanding what your favorite childhood activity was. Oh my gosh, this is a great question. I'm like, now thinking back to like, growing (laughs) up, I was thinking the present, I was like, I've got a long list. Mm -hmm. But no, I love this question. Thinking back, growing up, I loved, I mean, gymnastics was something I was really interested in. And it's, can be challenging, right? But it takes like flexibility and it kind of it definitely challenged me. So it was both kind of like a hobby and play. Um, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, I had this surgery when I was little and I had to stop it. And I remember like how sad I was, but I picked it up later again. Um, but I would say like tumbling gymnastics. Ah, interesting. I, I had another guest on that. She also was tumbling, trampoline, loved that. And her play style, so each childhood activity gives us a little bit more information about our play style. And that being your your top activity um, tells me that you're a kinesthetic. And so being in your body feels like play to you. And that makes a lot of sense knowing knowing you and knowing what your favorite hobbies are, which we'll, we'll chat about later uh, and actually throughout this episode. But I, I could definitely see why kinesthetic is is your play style and why uh, certain activities that you do that I know that you do light you up. So 
more to come on that. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) And I think you also mentioned, uh, did you like competing as a gymnastics or was it more just about the being in the body? So I didn't compete when I was young, but when I that hobby evolved and I did competitive cheer in the in high school and college. And so that was also using gymnastics. So like I said, I had to stop when I was little with the surgery. And then when I ended up later in life, picking it up as part of cheer, I competed with that. So it kind of was like play young and came back. Yeah, no, interesting. Yeah, because I, I was wondering if a competitor could also be one of your play styles. Um, if that's also something that like lights you up. Um, so it could be, you could have two, um, but that gives me a little bit more <laughs> yeah. insight into you as well. Um, okay, so I want to dive in to your background and I want to start from the very beginning. Uh, if you could tell me a bit about Uh, where you grew up, what your background is, where you're from, um, and also how you got your start in solo traveling. Yeah. So I grew up in California and that was basically where I lived until I ventured abroad. So California was my home state, my only home state up until leaving the country. So that was a big change for many reasons. And I went to school in Santa Barbara and then started working and living in San Francisco. And that connects to my first solo travel experience because living in San Francisco, I got really, I was really career driven and spent a lot of time working to grow my career and travel was not a high priority. I did like many do, you know, the vacation when you can get time off work. And I I went to Europe and did very easy, I would say easier travel. (laughs) And then I had this constant itch uh, because I had always had a dream of living in Spain. And so I studied and minored in Spanish in college and wasn't, due to many circumstances, able to study abroad. So it kind of never left. And so living in San Francisco, that itch never fully went away. And so I impulsively, when I was unhappy in a job, applied to teach in Spain. And the irony of the situation is that I ended up finding a new job after applying that was a dream job working at Beats and Music. So it was a music company, it was a startup, and I was able to move up and take a lot of ownership as a recruiter. So I went for it. And then I was like, oh, there goes Spain, but it was too excited. I was too excited about it to let it affect kind of the Spain thing. And then I got accepted to Spain teaching as I was in the job. And then three months into this job, Apple acquired the company. And so I was at this turning point where I could go for Apple opportunity or I could leave and take a package. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm taking this package because Spain is still on the mind. And that was my first solo travel experience, which was going to Spain after that taking, leaving the job after the acquisition and traveling for a month solo. And the funny thing is I always talk about my Central America travel, solo travel experience because it was three months. It was super transformative and it was kind of my biggest solo travel experience before moving abroad. But Spain was actually the first. And it was, it was what the itch was always in me to experience that led to like a ripple effect after. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. I want to dive into so many different parts of, of that story. Uh, I don't even think we've, we've chatted all about Spain either. Going back a little bit. So Santa Barbara, San Francisco, did your family travel at all when you were younger or were you the, the odd one out that had this itch? Yeah, we did. And I'm super grateful for it that we have family in Hawaii. So we did a lot of trips and a beautiful place to go visit family, family reunions there. So yes, more like that type of travel, some vacations to the Caribbean. Also, my mom has heritage there, so we would go. But it was, you know, I was privileged that we did a lot of like family trips and vacations, but it was definitely way different type of travel when I think about reality now. Yeah. And when you were kind of having this itch to go to Spain, did your family at all have any hesitations or, or kind of some fears for you? They're like, oh, what are you going to do? Like, you know, or just, you know, stay in California. It's fine here. Um, what kind of came up in that process? It's funny because the Spain thing with post-college after studying and really having the itch to practice the language more, uh, I kept seeking a secret. So I didn't tell anyone <laughs> when I applied, I don't think. 
It was kind of like, nope. I'm going to see if this lands and then maybe it'll happen. And then with the acquisition, I, it was, I made the decision and then let everyone know because it was like, this is too, this is too long overdue. And an opportunity presented itself to take a break before finding a new job. And um, were the people around you supportive in the decisions that you were making or was it completely like left field? What is she doing with her life? Great question. So the the funny thing is this, this one didn't feel so drastic um, because it was a shorter solo trip. But when I did the backpacking trip where I left my job, put my stuff in storage, and it was planning to move out of the city. That's a different story <laughs> where, where there's a lot more like, what are you doing? But then it turned into support. But at first it, it was like the, whoa, are you sure? Is this what you really want? And those types of things. But then it turned into more support. So the, it was actually, now that I am sharing the Spain one, which I typically talk more about Central America, is it was mm-hmm. a progression. It was Spain, Central America, Spain one month, Central America, three months, move abroad <laughs> fully. Oh, like, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I love that you share that too, because I think a lot of people have this vision of, of living this life, this full, full-time full digital nomad life. And they're like, okay, but how, what does that look like? How do I get there? And what are the things that kind of come up for it? And that's one of the things I want to demystify is like, one, a path can look different for everyone, but I want to share what it actually does look like uh, for each of the guests that has come on and has not only, you know, used travel to escape whatever it was that they were unhappy about when they were in their situation, but like use those experiences and change their life completely to design a life that they're actually really excited about. So, and I know that that's something that you've done. So you initially set off on a one month, was that the plan? Was just a one month backpacking trip through Spain or was it going to be longer initially? So Spain was just one month and I had the, I had the flight there and the return flight. A different story is the Central America trip. When I left my job. This was a few years after Spain, when the travel itch again, as we know, comes back. (laughs) And I was unhappy in my role and not feeling like I was growing and wanting to move cities. So I was thinking I wanted to move US cities. So there's two conversations I had on one specific weekend with two different people who were like, if you're moving cities and changing your job, why wouldn't you travel? And it was like a light bulb of like, that's so true. Why wouldn't I take this opportunity. So when I put all my stuff into storage and then went on that trip, it was a one-way ticket. So that was that first one-way ticket experience of not knowing how long it would be, which is a rush, as we all know. Now I live on one-way tickets. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) all one-way tickets. Yeah, exactly. Booked days in advance, um, if not the day of. So in Spain, what was the transformation that you experienced? Because it had to have been some some huge change that happened within you in order to get you the confidence to 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 get rid of everything and book a one way ticket to Latin America, right? So I'm wondering what happened in Spain, Um, and how did you what did you anticipate that trip was going to be for you, and who did you become after that trip? Yeah, I think it was just Spain was like more it was more comfortable solo travel for me I had friends in certain parts which was lucky and I think Spain was just like excitement around language and culture like it was like the first I'm using Spanish all the time oh I am practicing I'm improving and I'm experiencing these different cities because I went to different cities throughout Spain on that trip and then I think it was just really thriving in that setting of loving the culture loving the language and Then when I think about, because there was a gap coming back between that trip in Latin America, it was, it was a whole different fear that I pushed through to go to Central America. It was more, it felt way more real because my stuff was not, I had no more apartment. I left my job with, which was me choosing to leave a job. It wasn't like an acquisition situation, right? And a job that was super, I love my coworkers. I love the company but I was just not growing. And so it was, it was all my choices, you know? So it was more real and more, you could say like more fear was coming up for that one. So I think that's why I share more about Central America because Spain was, it felt like an extended vacation. And then Central America felt like 
intense transformative solo travel yeah and when and maybe it was the phase of life too that's true yeah and i'm wondering so after spain because you you didn't have latin america on your mind when you were in spain right like you were like hey i'm gonna be in spain i'm gonna do this for a month and then you came back and i think the comeback period when someone leaves from a transformational experience from a solo travel trip that's the period where you have to sit with yourself and you have to feel the difference and you have to face what your life actually looks like after knowing what it could possibly look like. And I'm wondering what got you from post-Spain to giving everything up. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it's so funny processing this now because I haven't thought about this, honestly, the difference. But now that I'm thinking (laughs) about it, after Spain, I was ready to go back, settle into my life in San Francisco. It wasn't like the, I'm ready to move to Spain. I don't know there were different things making, I think, at the time, making me feel like San Francisco was still the place to be. But when, I think it was a few years after, it was a few years after when I did the Latin America one, it was way more of like, I don't want to be in San Francisco anymore. And it was two years of being there and wanting to leave and not having left. So it was a way different feeling leaving for that trip. Oh, and it, okay. So it was no it wasn't return immediate. To uh, okay. No. So I was thinking it was like right after. So you had come back from Spain and continued your life for two years uh, in San Francisco, um, kind of working in corporate. And then, um, yeah, what was that final thing that got you to be like, you know what, I'm ready? Yeah, it was two or th- two or three years. I need to count. But yeah, somewhere around there, a few years. And I think it was just, so I think about this a lot. First of all, it was career growth and like I wasn't growing in the job I was in. So I was feeling stagnant in life, but I kept feeling like, I remember I kept being like, what's missing? And I kept trying to like, oh, do I need to take the certification? No, it's not the certification. Oh, do I need to start this new hobby? It's not the hobby. And I kept trying to figure out like what the missing piece was. And then it was like, no, there's something like bigger that needs to change. And I couldn't really identify it. And then part of the leaving to travel was just to like explore and like figure out what the change I really wanted was, which I thought was moving cities in the US. That was what I was like, I think it's this, I think I want to be in a new city in a new environment. And then what's so transformative is what came from that trip was way beyond that clarity, right? Um, And it was just trying to understand what this missing piece was. And then now in hindsight, I can say it was wanting to be like outside of the US because I've never thought about what's missing since I moved abroad. Got it. Yeah. So that feeling hasn't hasn't resurfaced since you made those changes. And so when you gave up your apartment and quit your job and and bought the one way ticket, like that was that with the intention, I guess, so you were thinking you were going to just move cities in the U.S. So was that what, why you had uh, given everything up because you thought you were going to come back? Or um, w- once you finally gave everything up, you were like, no, we're going to do this for, for Endgame. Like, what was that looking yeah. like initially? Yeah, so initially it was that, like, take the trip because my stuff is in storage. It's worth the time to, like, go travel. The two people who inspired, you know, who planted that seed. Um mm-hmm. And then come back and move cities to San Diego, which we both have lived in. (laughs) So that was my plan. And that is what happened. I put in storage, went on the, went to Central America. I thought it was going to be a month, but it turned into three months of travel because I just wanted to keep going. I remember one day actually emailing my dad and being like, I think I want to just keep going. (laughs) Like, I don't, I'm not ready like to come back and so it turned into three months and then I moved to San Diego so then we're back in the U.S. again and oh. and we're no, back and I in think that that's, city. yeah and I think that's really cool that you're um you know it wasn't just a one trajectory quit and now you're in this like amazing digital nomad life like you were you're going back and forth you work through some things and I think that that's really expansive for some people who who think it's like a one one decision and then that's it, right? It sounds like you had a bit of a path to get to where you're at now. Yeah, and each, and this is what, like, now when I look back to the Spain, each one built a bit off of each other, right? So the Spain one was like a mini taste, and then the Central America one was like transformative, like so much came out of it. And then moving to San Diego and realizing, wait, 
like this wasn't it. I thought this was it that was missing. I mean, I love San Diego still, but it's like, this isn't the place. And then I had this job that my project got put completely on hold my second week of work. So we were in this waiting game and I had all this time at work because we were still there. And I was like, what am I doing? Well, why don't I just like the itch hadn't gone away. So I started to apply to jobs outside of the US, literally to be like, could I can I make this happen? And that's what led to to moving to Argentina. Okay, interesting. And okay, so we talk about the transformation that you had in those three months that you were in Central Latin America. And uh, I want to know, where did you start off? Like, where was your one way ticket to? And yeah, let's start from there. I want to I want to hear about like, what what happened when you first got there? Yeah. So my one way ticket was to Lake Atilan, very popular now for a nomad for many and it's beautiful and it was well it was Antigua to Lake Atilan but my first destination was the lake and the funny thing is it literally was inspired by a friend in San Francisco saying you've got to see this cool lake in Guatemala like you've (laughs) got to go there and I looked it up and I was like I want to go there like that's where I'm going to start and I literally was like (laughs) made the decision it wasn't like a ton of research, like how's like, is it safe? Is it, it was just literally like seeing photos. I'd be like, that's where I'm going to go. And so I booked there to start there. And so it was a progression from there following, uh, going down to Nicaragua to Costa Rica and over to Colombia. Uh, so the path kind of, it's a travel route for many, I discovered in the process, but that, it, yeah, I just kind of made it as I went, but that was, it started there. And how fast were you traveling at this point? Like every few days, every week? So funny to think about this question now, given how <laughs> I travel. Definitely fast compared to now. It, yeah. was like, it was like two weeks. Okay, well, I did do a homestay on the lake with a family. Highly recommend this. Staying with a family, learning Spanish. And it was like, that was a transformative experience in itself because you become a part and see the families day to day and you they like they treat you like part of their family and it was really cool to start with that so that was a few weeks long and that was like the longest i was in one place on the lake and then it was two weeks to like one to two weeks in each place i think oh wow yeah <laughs> very different yeah. from how, how you travel now and during those three months if you can pinpoint a specific moment or maybe a couple of moments that really just changed your perspective and and like made you like what were your aha moments the family one of I never forget this one of my aha moments was being with that family at a dinner table no phones just pure conversation and presence and the dad so genuinely interested in hearing what the daughter learned at school that day asking about her music and like the interaction and like the love between the family members without any technology, like just being like so present and like living with them in my room being like super minimalistic, like at the extreme of minimalism and just being like so content without, I mean, my Wi-Fi barely worked. I think I wasn't working. <laughs> so I don't even remember what the Wi-Fi was like fully. And, and what year just was like, this? This was 2017. I believe. Yeah. So just seeing how they like how their family operated and really like seeing how much how much presence was with with all of them and like how much joy to like seeing the daughter and like how much joy she got sharing about her day and um, how they included me too as like a foreigner, you know, here for a few weeks and then spending time with them was like it made me re evaluate a lot of things about where time and energy like how much we use technology like just all of the materialistic things that I use on a day-to-day that I didn't need during that time and so and then like the language piece was amazing to practicing with them so that was one another one was reading a book throughout this whole trip which my friend gifted me right before it you may have read it and if not I think it's like such an awesome book. She has great series, but it's Jen Sincero's You Have a ba- You Are a Badass. Oh yes, I, I have read it and uh, I love that book. And reading that in this time period, it was just like it was so perfect to like think about things and reflect on like next steps. And her book is what inspired me first of like I want to be a coach. Like reading it, I was like I just knew. I don't know. It was like intuitively I knew I was going to become a coach. 
I didn't know when, but I knew in my future I was going to reading that book. And did you know at that point what kind of coach you wanted to be or what was transformation that you wanted to help people with? I didn't know fully, but I, I had a sense about career because like so much of the journey was career shifts that had led to like this trip. And like, and also I just knew like reading that book and even going back to San Francisco time, like I have a deep passion for personal development and I always have. So I knew like I wanted to channel that passion into helping others in some way because I had used I was always reading self-help books like looking into like new new ways to improve and grow and like reach goals so yeah I think it it in- it connected all of those things so those those are both amazing transformations and I can I can see how you live your life in in both now because uh, I've met you post um, that's all. So it's so interesting diving back into the past and seeing what the building blocks were, the steps that you took, the experiences that you had along your journey that, that got you to who I know now. So beautiful, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And those were the first. That's crazy. Is That was so early on it. Yeah. Those are your first glimpses, your first transformative experiences. But you had mentioned that you moved back to San Diego after this trip, right? So you you went on a three-month journey through Central South America, I think, right? And then you came back. You you moved your things from storage to San Diego. And what was your feeling at that point? Like, was that, that calling to be a coach still there? Or did you kind of turn it off for a little bit. It was still there. And it's part of it evolved in San Diego, because I met a friend who asked the question that inspired me to go after moving abroad, which was it was like the the spark. And it was like, if you had no fear, what would you do right now? And that was move abroad. And then I also started like, we became accountability partners and started to like, basically it's accountability partnership is like coaching with someone else, right? So setting goals and taking action, right? So I was doing that basically with a friend, but that evolved into me like continuing to do it when I was abroad. And so I was basically doing a lot of coaching on myself without knowing what coaching was fully before I moved abroad. And then moving when I moved abroad is when I got the final push to go for to enroll in a program and actually like put all of these things I had been doing into like understand them better and how I can use them to help others because I use them on myself so much. It's just it was like, how do I apply this for others now? Um, And I really will say like the move abroad fully all of that happened thanks to tools like goal setting accountability, a lot of action taking and working through like blocks and limiting belief and tools like meditation and visualization, like all of those supported me making that full move to Argentina. And all of that happened in San Diego too. Amazing. And but when yeah. you first went to Argentina, it was uh, originally you had gotten a job uh, in Argentina. Um, yeah, the, all of that prepared you to, to make that move, which is amazing. And then once you got to Argentina, <laughs> well, you're committed, right? Like you committed Argentina, for those who haven't been, is really far. <laughs> it's really, really, really far. You are going to the end of the world, basically. So you committed to to go to this really, really far destination, uh, sold all your things again. Um, and and yeah, now you're starting this new job. Um, but at the back of your mind, you you have this calling for, for more for your entrepreneurship journey. Um, so what did your first move to Argentina look like? And also what were the the things that were coming up in terms of those blocks and fears and and beliefs? Yeah. And oh my gosh, it is so far. (laughs) And now that we (laughs) live there, like I forget sometimes just how far I am when I'm there. And also it's just, it amazes me how far it is, but it's so (laughs) worth it. Yeah. But considering like California too, you know, or the US, it's as Mm -hmm. far south as you can go basically. But Mm -hmm. so yeah, entering the job, I was thinking I was going to be in this job for years, potentially, who knows, like transfer back to the US at some point. And I kind of pushed the coaching thing down because I was like, oh, I start a new job, like focus on that's like five mm-hmm. to 10 year plan, you know? Yeah. 
So, but I was still doing all those things on myself, like goal setting, intention setting, uh, meditating. So I was practicing those things, but not thinking about turning them into anything yet. But what happened was the job was not as expected. (laughs) And... (laughs) I feel like this is a pattern. This is a trend. (laughs) And again, exactly. Well, I mean, every job had a different story, but I learned Mm -hmm. so much from each one. But this job was way different than expected. And it was super technical. And a lot of it was self-training. And uh, it was a a, the biggest challenge of my life, potentially, in, in a role because of Entering an office in a foreign culture, everyone speaks Spanish and but works in English. So when they're chat, when everyone's chatting, it's in Spanish. But when you get on a call, it's English. So you hear like these shifts constantly in the room, which is funny. Yeah. So it's like new environment, making new friends or working to make new friends, cross cultural differences, trying to understand cross cultural differences, highly technical role, trying to train yourself for a highly technical role. <laughs> And then it's like clients based in the U.S. with high expectations, trying to manage those clients. So it was basically the extremely stressful and maybe the highest stress I've ever been. And I was settling into a new country alone all at the same time. And I honestly cried almost every night for like the first three weeks, just not because of not being happy to be there, but because I was so stressed out and so overwhelmed. And I look at back at that as being part of like what drove me to start my business was like remembering that period of settling in and being so feeling so alone because no one I felt understood because mm-hmm. which of my friends had entered yeah. a job in Argentina in a highly technical role in the specific culture. I couldn't ask, I didn't feel like I could ask anyone of like, Hey, like, how can I best do this? And so it was like the biggest challenge of my life, but it was the most expansive period of my life too, because I managed it. How did you manage it? I learned ways to cope with the stress. I learned how to use my resources with colleagues and really kind coworkers who were helping me. Like when I felt like lost, I spoke with my manager and I learned to get into a rhythm with the job uh, and to like make my clients were happy. But what I did find myself in was working like 10 to 12 hour days and not being able to enjoy other than like enjoying my coworkers and making friends at work. I wasn't able to enjoy the country or like travel. Like I took three day weekends to go to like Iguazu Falls, but I wasn't able to like enjoy my evenings. Like I was always thinking about work. And then some other things happened in this job that really triggered my core values of transparency and empathy. And I hit a period where I was like, I can't do this job anymore. It's just not aligned like with my core values. And I will, I can feel that I'll never want to show up fully for it feeling this way. So this is where my, and this is where the pivotal moment hit where I was like, I'm going to become a career coach because I don't want anyone to experience some of the things I've experienced and I've learned so much from them. So what I'd rather, what I want to do is take all this I've learned and help others not enter these situations. So that's when I left the job and I basically just gave notice. Well, it was like, I made a decision, actually a close friend of mine that I met, like I met some amazing friends who supported me through this period. And I, I will never forget one day sat on my Buenos Aires rooftop And she said, you are going to quit this job. And I said, I'm going to quit this job. Okay. And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to make a deadline. And we wrote, I wrote a deadline for myself of the day I would leave the job. And within, I think the next two weeks, I gave notice and I left by that date. Amazing. And that's when the coaching journey started Um, because it hit like the, it hit such an intense moment of my values misalignment of like, Mm -hmm. no, no one should feel this way. And I, and I want to make sure they don't in a job. Uh, And I, yeah, you touch on something so important is, and I, my favorite question is, what are your values? And we don't know, I, I didn't know that until a few years ago. But once my friend had asked me, and actually told me there's an exercise, a really short exercise to understand what your values are. And then it really flows through all areas of your life. And then you now have the words to be able to describe why things don't sit right with you, 
why you're not happy, why you're not fulfilled. It's like, oh, I just needed to know what five words I really cared about. <laughs> you know, And then now I can say like, it's not transparent. It's not hitting on my values of empathy. And it is it hits you in your core. And now you have something yeah. to stand behind. Uh, so that's amazing that you had done the work prior to even identify why was it that you didn't feel good in the situation. But I will say, like, to be honest, I I knew my values, like many of us do without even stating them sometimes. Mm-hmm. But this is why I work with clients so intentionally to know their values. Because for me, it took me feeling severely upset, uncomfortable, like, like, I couldn't do it anymore, like to mm-hmm. uncover what it was. And that's mm-hmm. also when I identified, actually, that I was such an empath because Mm. I could tell I absorbed everyone's emotions around me at work along with my own so everyone's stress I could tell I was feeling along with my own and there were so many things that I like took away from this job that was just a high stress environment right some people thrived Mm. in it but for me it was not aligned for me or my Mm. values and this became so apparent like and it took like one of my lowest points in the job and how I felt to uncover that which is why I was like, it shouldn't be that way. Like we should Mm -hmm. be able to know before, or at least have a good idea to make sure it's aligned. And that's what was Mm -hmm. what I took away to help others with is to get clear on the values first. So then you're like, okay, of course, (laughs) things can happen. You can't always be Mm -hmm. 100% prepared. But being clear on them can definitely be preventative. Yeah, because then you know the signs, you know what you're looking for, you know what is not present. As soon as you walk in and you observe people, you you can already get, gain a sense. Um, and then you can ask the right questions as well before uh, going into these situations. So I love that you help people now with some of the things that you've gone through. Yeah, and I will say this company's culture was awesome. I will say I love the people the role itself, it was it. And it was the environment in the specific role. But yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's knowing that and asking the question, knowing the values, asking the questions, kind of feeling into the signs before going into a job, right? And I love also that you brought up that you had a friend who who told you, hey, you're, you're going to need to quit. I, I had a very similar situation when I quit corporate when I started realizing that me working 12 plus hour days when I was working, starting to work remote at this point post pandemic and, and my other friends also in corporate were not working as long. And they told me, Hey, you're, you're different. You know, now that we're actually working and seeing you work, this isn't the same person that we know and love. Like you are not happy and we're going to have to call that out. And like, you're going to, and so like having people that know and love you tell you, hey, like, yeah. you got to do this. And it, it comes like uh, almost like it hits you harder because you're like, wow, like my life is being reflected back at me through people that I know love and care about me. And if they say you're going to need to go, it, it adds that extra layer for you where you're like, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to need to go. So I love the accountability that you got from that as well. Yeah, so true. And it is that accountability and that like outside view of like, no, you've Mm got to know that this is not right. Like it shouldn't feel this way. We're so good at normalizing all the the things. And we're like, oh, this is normal. Everyone in this job works long hours. Everyone else around me is doing it. But when you have someone that's not in that environment telling you, nope, not normal. And the challenge was all of my first friends were in the job. So that's like mm-hmm. all of my, and that was all of my community in BA at the start, which makes sense. Like I just moved mm-hmm. in that. And also to say like this friend of mine, we had known each other for a few months. Like mm-hmm. how lucky to meet such an amazing friend who, and I like mentioned this to her multiple times since of how grateful I am that she was there for that. Cause I didn't have I was still six months into living in a foreign country. I still hadn't. And this comes to finding your people does not happen right away, right? Like Mm -hmm. building those like really trusting friendships. This was someone that I was lucky to find that with quickly, but I didn't have many people like that yet in Argentina. It's actually crazy because after I left this job, my whole life in BA changed. And I started Mm -hmm. to meet so many. I met after leaving the job. I met basically all of the friends I'm super close to now in my community. And I started to do all of the things I had been wanting to do after leaving the job. And so like my life 
the first six months living in Argentina versus after leaving the job were two different stories and two completely different realities. Yeah. And I'm glad that you, you didn't associate the unhappiness with being in a different country and letting that um, make you run away back home and say, you know what, maybe, maybe Argentina was just not (laughs) it for me. Right. But I'm glad that you instead identified what wasn't working and it was it was the job and and taking yourself out of that situation and clearing the space to let all the good things come into your life the people the new career path and great to highlight that was a self-coaching happening of like isolate <laughs> the problem isolate yeah. the problem do not attribute this to an entire country you haven't even country. yet seen <laughs> Or even a city you haven't yet experienced because you've been working so much, literally. So, yeah, in it and isolating the problem, changing that. Of course, there was a challenging period while like leaving the job and going through another intense job search to find a remote job and to start my coaching Mm -hmm. certification. But once that period passed, like everything started to flow. And yeah, it was just a whole different experience living there. And my community grew, and now it's like home to me. And mm-hmm. had I not isolated the problem and given up, this is another encouraging message for others who like get a rocky start in a new place. Is like I would have never experienced so much of the of the growth that came after living in Buenos Aires and like immersing. So um, there is a transition period, and like yeah. accepting the bumps, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, that, so like that also touches on like my, my mission as well, because, um, wherever you go, there you are. Right. And so had you not isolated the problem and <laughs> just said like, you know, it's Argentina, let me, let me move to New York. Let me move somewhere <laughs> else. And you could go down this cycle of constantly just switching but not actually addressing what it was that was the issue so you you'd find another stressful techie 12 plus hour day job in a different city and feel like you were in the same spot until you left again and so i think that this is this also touches upon like the importance of really really sitting with those feelings mm-hmm. yeah and that connects us something I'm very passionate, like a core principle is no band-aid fixes. Like mm-hmm. you can't just put a band-aid on it and, ex- and expect it to change. You have to address the root. If the root is unhappiness because of the work you're in, no matter where you are, if you're in that work, you're going to be unhappy. You have to address mm-hmm. the root and band-aids are quicker to put on, but addressing the root takes more work and it takes more resilience, but it's a bigger payoff when you heal the wound rather than a band-aid on it right Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and I love that analogy um it's it's so perfect especially now uh in the lifestyle of digital nomading that we both live and I know that we've both met and have lived that ourselves the process of constantly moving in search for that missing and you know you and I now do some slower travel um, because I think the 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 piece that I want to instill in others is the intentionality. Just because you're you're traveling around doesn't mean that you're constantly trying to escape. Like I'm I'm the biggest advocate for travel, um, but travel is a way to grow yourself. Um, you could also travel as a way to distract yourself, and so there is a very clear difference in the, the difference mm-hmm. in, in intentionality. Like what are you intending to do? Uh, what is the environment that you want to create for yourself to better yourself rather than than run away? Um, so t- so let's chat about digital nomading and how then, okay, so you are a remote career uh, and lifestyle coach traveling now, I know, all throughout South America, Central America. Uh, you've been all throughout Europe as well this year. Uh, so what was that transition like for you living full-time as an expat in Buenos Aires to then taking the leap to this lifestyle? Yeah. So fast forward through all, all that time <laughs> we just talked about. <laughs> and the other side of having a remote job and finishing my coaching certification and starting to coach. Again, people sometimes see the end result, and this is important to highlight, and mm-hmm. and don't see the journey. 
And that was the journey, which was very challenging. But then there is the beauty of the end result and the payoff, which is what the lifestyle is now, right? Um, mm-hmm. And for me, the nomadic lifestyle kind of organically happened because when I did go remote and start coaching, I was like, ooh, now I can travel more. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I was treating BA as like the home base and wanting to do like, okay, I'm going to go to Bolivia and come back. I'm going to go to Brazil and come back. And so end of 2019, I did Bolivia and I came back. And then I started to map out like my plan for 2020. And then the pandemic hit. Mm. And so that whole plan of just like like uh, nomading kind of with a home base in BA shifted the lockdowns happened. As we all know, things got crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up leaving Argentina because it was so intense um, there. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And they only had um, like the flights for repatriation to get you back home. So mm-hmm. I was like, things were just so uncertain as they were everywhere. So I decided to take a flight back to the US. And then being in the US, <laughs> nope, <laughs> couldn't. decided to take a flight to Mexico where a friend was and then that turned into like starting the slow travel lifestyle through Mexico because of like circumstance of Mexico being the where many of us found ourselves in 2020 being open (laughs) to travelers and so it really just turned into turned into it through that experience of the pandemic and ending up in Mexico and then you've just been flowing flowing around the world since then. (laughs) Exactly. And it's, of course, like, evolved a ton since Mexico. But Mm -hmm. Mexico, I kind of slow traveled just by like wanting to see more places in Mexico and making my way through there after restrictions kind of lifted and you could travel more. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I discovered that it was just a good pace for being able to balance work for being able to, like really immerse. And it just mm-hmm. evolved because I realized when I was in a place for too quick, it was super hard to find community. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel connected and it just didn't feel the same or it didn't fulfill the intentions that I knew I had living the lifestyle. And what's the pace that you uh, travel? Like, what's your ideal travel pace now? So it's been three months and I'm curious for you too what this is now because yeah. it changes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it was three months. But this year, it's like six, I think, or <laughs> 12. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um, My ideal is three to six months because, as you mentioned, and I've been in many places uh, for just one month or two months. Um, sometimes you can't help it if you're planning on going to an event or meeting up with friends or, you know, yeah. you, you have to be somewhere, right? So you have to just yeah. choose a place along the path. Um, so, for example, like, I had to make my way to Puerto Rico after Argentina. So I was in a lot of different places to just, because again, it's really far. You just got to make your way up there. So yeah, so those places were like a few weeks or, you know, a month or two. But the the, the difference, as you mentioned, is the community. And you can mm-hmm. feel it. Like when you are in the first month, you're like, oh, maybe you meet someone. You see them like max two times, three times. And you're not even really... You can feel that you're like, oh, had we had more time together, we would probably be really solid friends. But now we're just going to be following each other on Instagram until we die, you know, or like see each other again, <laughs> which also happens. But, but yeah, the stories here and there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're like, I exist still. Here you go, heart. But yeah, yeah, there's definitely a shift. And that shift happens around the three-month mark because you start to do things that are more mundane. You're like, hey, do you want to go grab money from the Western Union with me? Do you want to run, you know, just just sit with me as we work? Like, you know, it's not always about the let's go do something fun and exciting and go on a big tour. Like those are great to have the experiences together. But where I find that you have the most meaningful connected time is in those down moments where you could just be and and see how you are just being with someone else next to you and whether that energy is comfortable, whether there are things that you can say and and not say and it, it just be natural. That doesn't happen until at least a few months. And so um, Mm -hmm. between the three to six 
month point, I think is, is, is so magical because you're familiar with the places you've gone to most of the things that you wanted to try. And now it's just about building consistency and, and investing in relationships that, that feel good. Um, and then at the six month mark, that's when I get, uh, so. <laughs> you get the, yeah, the adventure ish again. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. <laughs> I completely agree with all of that, that you just shared. And like, it's 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 so fascinating how there's like a shift moment and it usually is around three months mm-hmm. where it goes from I'm here and exploring to oh I basically live I know this pretty well now and I have mm-hmm. I'm starting to like really get clear on my people and like this is my community and mm-hmm. it starts to shift at three months typically like after yeah. doing it multiple places I can identify and say that it's around yeah. three months like <laughs> I have experimented with this yeah and then, same. <laughs> and then you hit the three month mark and you pass it say and then mm-hmm. there's a bit of attachment of like oh I really like it here but mm-hmm. I also I have plans to go here or I want to explore here too and then it's like that grieving when you say goodbye mm-hmm. of because you've hit that shift where it's like meaningful and you have your places you have your community so you're saying goodbye to people and I I think it's like the shift is so interesting because it is yeah. like you feel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's actually then um, the beautiful thing with the lifestyle and the people that I've met and because I'm attracting now people that are adventurous and love travel and, you know, have very similar values to me is I see all the, I see everyone multiple times around the world in different cities. <laughs> and so even if they're not full-time traveling, uh, we'll now plan different times where we'll we'll see each other. Um, maybe in those in-between moments where I don't have like a three to six month stay somewhere, uh, maybe I meet them on my way somewhere uh stop over or maybe we do plan the time where we're we're co-living in a city together um and it's nice because then you again you have those downtime moments where you're actually really building the relationships rather than just like doing things together what else i love is and someone a friend of mine was laughing about this because this is because i always talk about oh my the virtual friend I met in real life yeah. is like all the virtual friends I've been meeting yes. in different places. So mm-hmm. in Mexico City, I met a friend who we got super close through, like a kind of a mastermind group, and then ended up in Mexico City at the same time. And like the virtual to in real life meetings is so cool, but so unique to this lifestyle it is yeah I've met so many friends through Instagram through Facebook (laughs) like through random online forums yeah it's it's wild and actually oh god I've I can talk to you forever about this subject of course but we are nearing towards the end uh maybe we'll do a second part of this episode uh to dive in a little bit on uh, the last couple years um but since we're on the topic of connection what have been the most uh meaningful connections that you've uh, made in this journey like how did you meet those well surprise surprise I'm going to talk about Buenos Aires for everyone who (laughs) constantly hears about it. No, but I would say that's the place that has, that in Mexico City, I've made the Mm -hmm. most meaningful long-term connections. We met there. Here's one here. (laughs) I shared, like, we've met there. I shared about this experience with my work um, and having these really meaningful friendships who helped me through a really challenging period abroad and that I felt really alone. And so also coworkers I met at that job who supported me through that, that were locals as well, like local friends and expat friends. I just feel like, I think it's, maybe it connects to, this is something that just clicked for me, experiences you have in places that Mm. are super transformative and the connections that are with you through that. Mm. Because when I think about both Mexico City or Mexico, and I think about Argentina, they both are the most, Um, the most transformative countries I've lived in, in terms of experiences. And I also will say I have the most meaningful long-term connections from those two countries. Not to say Mm. they're not in other places, but it stands out to me. That's that's gotten me thinking now too, because as I'm thinking about the people that yeah, I, I still meet around the world, keep in touch with regularly. They were there during very transformative moments. And that's actually a really beautiful realization um, because in those times are when you when you see someone, you feel 
their support and you and you can really see like can I count on this person um, yeah there? yeah and that's that's a really beautiful beautiful epiphany yeah it's like the trust yeah it builds fast your vulnerable moments you're not at your maybe at your best or you're going mm. through a big change. Yeah. And it's not necessarily like, let's say there's a fine line between like trauma bonding, right? And and this, I think the the beautiful thing is like, yes, uh, like I can I can think about like the, the people that were there in the transformative moments, but they're also the ones that were there in the playful and in the light moments as well. Yeah all just feel heavy like we were able to navigate between all the different emotions and like from those dark moments that it might have been through in the transformation they helped with the light as well and I think that's yes yes being there through like all the phases right Mm -hmm. and the like the very positive fun happy memories and then maybe the times when like you needed support and they were there um, and vice mm-hmm. versa, like for each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. But yeah, that's, that was a light bulb moment for me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh wow, we're constantly learning with this, this whole connection <laughs> thing. Uh, do you have any fun tips for others that are looking to make and nurture meaningful connections on the go? Yes. And we, we haven't talked about this yet. So I'm mean, going to just yes. brush over it, but it's very connected to play, which is a topic of of, of this as well so I'm gonna loop it in but dance like oh. I know you're into dance too and mm-hmm. I would say that is I mean it's pure connection right that's what it runs off of and so I think it's a great way to build a connection in new countries is I mean there's many local dances in Latin America but finding what your passion is if movement and dance is one of those for me it's been like the best way to find local community and also build connection and also grow in like a like in a hobby or a passion that brings flow yeah and that that was actually my my next question is like how is play part of your (laughs) life which I know the answer to but it it sounds like uh dance is is the way that you're still feeling into that kinesthetic play style that you have yes and like growing deeper in deeper into how to make it because it can be uncomfortable it can be Mm -hmm. challenging yeah we both know (laughs) and it can be it takes like trust and confidence and all those all of those um different skills that you build through Mm -hmm. doing it but then when you get to then it gets to a place where it's flow and play which is the beauty Mm -hmm. so yeah I think it's like constantly growing with that so that it feels like play and Mm -hmm. stress-free and like flowing yes Yes. (laughs) and fluid yes I love that and so as we're wrapping up I ask uh, a couple of closing questions for uh, to help other women who are just starting their journey and so what is one question that you wish you could have asked your younger self sooner at the start this is such a great question for a question (laughs) and (laughs) I think I when I think of this question in the younger self, I think of rewind, rewind to what we talked about being in San Francisco, feeling super stuck in a job and trying to figure out what the missing piece was and like having this itch but not acting for like over a year before I really did the whole storage book the ticket thing. And a question is, why can't you trust yourself in your intuition? Because I think had I asked myself that then, it would be like, yeah, like everything's telling me I want to do this. What What's keeping me from doing it? And I think like it's easy to say now, but after building a deeper understanding of intuition and a connection to it, it's more of a no brainer of like, oh yeah, if, it, if I'm feeling this way, it's like, I need to do that you know? Mm -hmm. So asking that question to yourself is like, what's keeping you from that trust if your inner guide is giving clear signals? Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful question. And I think we, we take for granted the concept of trust. And we, I myself, remember, realized moments where I'm like, oh, I actually don't trust myself. And it's like, why? Why don't I trust myself? Like, what is this underlying belief that caused me to not trust in myself? Like, and what, where was there earlier in my life moments where I, you know, felt betrayed. Did I betray myself? Right. Like it goes, it goes so much deeper, but it starts from asking that first question of why don't you? And, and then allowing yourself the space to really, to really respond and and answer that question because 
a lot of things come up, <laughs> as we know. <laughs> it is a very deep question <laughs> once you once you dive in. There, there's things that link to your inner child and how you were raised. There are things to like the connections that you made in life and how, you know, all, all mm-hmm. of it, it's all interconnected. You, we are not silos in this world. And so once you realize that this question is a larger question, but it's important to start with it, um, I think it's like, it's such a big tipping point. So that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that question. Yes. And paying attention yeah. to the answers that come up, yeah. you know? mention listening to it not stuffing it deep deep down into the the darkness like it's comfortable to do sometimes <laughs> what is one last tip for women that you would give them um if they're considering traveling solo for the very first time but have some blocks or are a little bit hesitant what advice would you give them yeah i think from what we started it's a good full circle question because um looking back in what kind of like really clicked for me today that I haven't really thought about fully till now, which is crazy, is the building blocks of like, it doesn't have to, everyone sees or many see the digital nomad lifestyle and think like, oh, it's got to be the full leap, right? Mm -hmm. Which honestly, if you want to go for the full leap, I'm all about leaps. So go for it. But don't forget the like, the power of trial runs, right? Like, you could go to a Mexico City for a month to test it out or go to a destination that's drawing you to test it out, right? So I think experimenting is a great way to get to know if something is for you or not for you. So Mm. just allowing yourself to do that in a way that feels, especially if you feel really like afraid and fear is normal, right? What's a way that feels more comfortable to test it out? Like maybe it's closer to home, even if it's as much as trying a new city in your own country, right? Like Mm-hmm. So just encouraging, like, don't underestimate those smaller steps versus taking a full leap. And this this last tip is so key. And it's one that's come up over and over again. And I'm, I'm loving that it is because it gives you permission to try. And I, I think that that is not only relevant for solo travel, but in all areas of our life. It even sounds like very specifically in terms of career where, hey, like, just try it out. Just just explore yeah. what it could look like to start your own business, to be a digital nomad, like little, little things. It could just, maybe it's not a full business that you build right away. Maybe it's just a side thing that you start with that feels light and like something that you may want to explore. Uh, so it gives people permission in all different areas of their life to just be curious. Yeah. And then connected to this, just another point is like, you can always go back. Just like if mm-hmm. you try out a new job, and you decide that you miss your old career. It's not like your past experience has just gone away, right? Yeah. So I think so many people are afraid to take risks because they're afraid they lose like everything going for the new thing. But it's Mm -hmm. like, no, your experience, your history, your past is still there. It's like going for it and knowing that you can always go back to where you were before or who knows where it could take you next by going for it and taking that risk, right? Mm -hmm. You gain more than you lose, for sure. And as a a good segue (laughs) into the work that you do, I'd love it if you could share exactly the type of services that you offer, the type of clients that you work with. Um, I'm I'm curious myself. (laughs) Yes. So my focus is remote career and lifestyle coaching. Uh, I also coach for career transitions in general. I don't discount hybrid. I'm not (laughs) anti-hybrid for people who... Or in office, like for people who that's for them. I have clients in all the spaces. But what I help my clients with is identifying fulfilling work that they can do remotely. So uncovering purpose through fulfilling work. And whether that's in, again, the other settings, because we've got many types now, or fully remote, but helping them uncover what that is and then go after it. And then also the lifestyle piece. So managing this lifestyle and balancing work as well as like building the lifestyle. So right now, a lot of my focus is on the career side, but in the year to come, there's going to be some exciting um, new shifts with the lifestyle side. So I'm doing one-on-one coaching right now. So I have a one-on-one program, but I also plan to expand into group in the next year. So that's kind of the evolution of, (laughs) of coaching. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing 
I will link all of your uh, information below. So if anyone is feeling that itch right now, maybe <laughs> maybe you're also feeling called to, to change careers, to move somewhere different, or maybe you don't even know what you need, like how you started, where you're like, there's something off. I don't know what it is. You can reach out to Kristen because I you've already navigated this in your own life. And it's always helpful to have, again, as we were mentioning, a mirror, someone to tell you and guide you and hold you accountable to the to the big changes uh, that you want to make in life. Thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you so much for being on this podcast and being an amazing friend. And I, I've just enjoyed our conversation. So thank you for, for being on. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I like so much came up in this that has been <laughs> epiphanies for me. I'm just processing that. And like new things I haven't shared on podcasts before, like really came up here. So I really enjoyed it. And also, like, I've taken away so much from our conversation. So thank you (laughs) for having me. So happy. (laughs) And thank you all navigators for tuning into this episode. I really hope that Kristen's story of transformation, connection, and play resonated with you all today. Thank you so much. And I will see you all in the next adventure. And I have one more thing to add, if possible, as a closer. Yeah. I love the name of this podcast. And I want to just highlight that traveling does not need to be a way to escape. Mm -hmm. Traveling is actually the most beautiful channel to meet yourself deeper. And that has been one of my greatest learnings from this lifestyle. So I like want to help like smash the stigma on escapism and (laughs) share (laughs) about how it is just like the way to deeply know yourself. And that is the beauty. Yes, I love that. And I love that you included that because this is This is perfect and a great way, great way to close. Thank you all. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you later. Thank you. We chatted about some great connection tips in the episode, but if you're looking to learn the secret to how to make meaningful connections while you're solo traveling, save your seat for the free workshop I'll be hosting on January 24th. That's www.travelnotsescape.com slash free class and also on the show notes. See you there. Until next time, keep exploring, connecting, and playing, and safe travels navigators.